0: Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. Would you welcome to the stage now for our message Sharon Kissel? We are so blessed to have her. She's been on staff with us before, and uh, now she's working with a citywide outreach for the gospel across the city, promoting the gospel across the city among all sorts of different ways. And she just finished her MDiv uh, in April this year, so she deserves another big round of applause for that. So she's got a fantastic message for you. Would you welcome her? Oh, thank you, Ross. I'm so honored to be here again with you all today. So we can unlock more of the truths of our Father's love for us and all that he has done for us. So let's get started. Have any of you ever purchased one of those butterfly kits? So you buy them at a toy store or a science store. You can probably order them online now. And you take this kit home and you open it up and inside it there's this mesh container. And there's this little card. In the olden days, you had to mail it off to the manufacturer. It now probably has a code you can do online. And while you're waiting the arrival of your new pets, you go outside, you gather some leaves, you gather some twigs, and you bring them inside, and you make this loving little home for your new pets. And on that exciting day, the caterpillars arrive. They come in this little plastic container, and you transfer them um, out of the container into this new home. And from that point on, really all you have to do is feed them a little bit and watch this incredible transformation that takes place. So they're these fuzzy little creatures and they crawl around and, you know, they're cute. But one day when you wake up, suddenly your caterpillars are gone. And in their place, there are what look like these ugly mud balls. And if you didn't know better, you'd throw this mud ball in the trash. But don't do that. Because inside this, what a scientist would call a chrysalis, your caterpillar is actually being transformed into something new. And if you're patient, it takes a little while. Eventually they form their wings and then they start beating their wings against the edge of this chrysalis. And when they're strong enough, it breaks open and they break out. And then the manufacturer tells you, you know, that that little mesh container really isn't the appropriate environment for them and you have to go and release them in the wild after a few days. So they in spite of the fact that they still have the same DNA that they had when they were a caterpillar that they do as a butterfly, they've been transformed into something new and they have to have a new environment. Well, something very similar happens to us when we become followers of Jesus Christ that we are transformed into a new creation. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to be a kingdom citizen, a new creation in Christ. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you are a loving Heavenly Father. We thank you for the gifts that you have poured out on us. Today, Fathers, we come before you and we, we come seeking to understand that you would take this information from head knowledge to heart knowledge, Father, that you would give us eyes that see, you'd give us ears that hear, you'd give us hearts that understand. And that you would um, just put your power, put your anointing on my words. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come and move in this place, to come and move in the homes of the people watching any way you want to come. And we pray that in Jesus' name. So our grounding verse for today is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Let's just turn to that. Let's read that together. So it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come now these are simple words but they're very profound words given by the apostle paul to the church in corinth about 56 a.d Um, we shouldn't gloss over these because these are theologically rich they're going to help us move forward in our walk with god they have deep meaning They're what is known as um, Second Corinthians is what is known as an occasional document. All the epistles of Paul, the letters of Paul are occasional documents, just to share some background. And what that means is they were written to a specific group of people at a specific point in time to cover a specific event. And Paul, in these letters, is doing what we would call task theology, that he's imparting wisdom, he's imparting understanding that people are going to need to move forward in their life with God, that they're going to need in order to walk in the abundant life that the Lord Jesus Christ has called to give them, to unlock God's dreams for their lives. So in both letters, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, which is a city in the Roman Empire. Geographically, it's strategically placed between two harbors, There's a lot of traffic through this place. Um, In this area, there is the greater metropolitan area of Corinth. There is over 100,000 citizens. And it's culturally diverse. A lot of the Roman military elite came and retired in this place. So it must have been nice. And there were also a lot of Greek-speaking citizens who were less economically advantaged. And before the gospel of Jesus Christ arrived there, this city was pagan through and through. And we know that Paul spent about 18 months of his life living in Corinth on his second missionary journey, discipling these new converts. And Paul had his work cut out for him. This was a congregation filled with controversy. So in spite of the fact that the Corinthians, they were born again Christians, they had accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They had been filled with the Holy Spirit and they were moving in spiritual gifts. They were seeing signs, wonders, miracles, healings, and deliverances happening in their midst. But at the same time, some of them in the church were still hanging on to some really unhelpful pagan practices that was hindering them from moving into the fullness of the life that Christ had died to give them. Others of them were walking in fleshly, you know, fleshly things such as striving, greed, you know, envy, pride, particularly around the area of spiritual gifts. And Paul knows that what's at the core of this issue, the core of the problem facing the Corinthian church is they don't understand their identity. They don't understand who they are in Jesus Christ. They don't understand the ramifications of what the death of Christ and the infilling of the Holy Spirit has done for us. And so in Paul's passage, he says, you're a new creation. Well, what's he really mean by that? So let's start by just looking at that Greek term, new creation. It's kine katesis, kine and when that word group is used together it means a cosmic eschatological event has happened something reserved for the future age the end times eschatological has come into being in the present time and so creation was a cosmic event the incarnation of christ was a cosmic event and what paul is now telling these corinthians is because you have Receive Jesus as your savior. You have been filled with the Holy Spirit. A cosmic event has happened to you. That something that did not exist before has now come into being. That the caterpillar is now irrevocably a butterfly. And every time the Apostle Paul uses that phrase, he's trying to help people understand that through Christ they've been elevated to this grand new status. It's a supernatural, eschatological transformation that's happened whether you feel like it or don't. So have you ever said to yourself, there has to be more to life than this? Well, you're not wrong in that thinking. That's what the Apostle Paul is addressing here in the grounding scripture for today. He's trying to tell people that that broken, fallen state that came about because Adam and Eve isn't what we were created to be. That we were created to be something more. You know, the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden wasn't a surprise to God. He had a plan of redemption before that ever happened. Let's take a look at Revelation thirteen eight. It says something really interesting. It says Jesus It's talking about Jesus here. It was the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. That means that God made us in his image. You know, obviously he wanted us, he loved us, but he also gave us free will and he knew we would fall. So he had already laid a plan of redemption for us to not only restore us to what we had been, to bring us into something greater, this eschatological state of being. So how'd that come into place? Well, we know that he called you know, a people through whom a Messiah would come. He called the Jewish people and he gave them this system of sacrifices that were a picture of what he was going to do. That under that Old Testament sacrifice system, you'll recall that that when they sinned, they had to slaughter a lamb. Blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins, but it was temporary. They had to keep going back and going back and going back. But Jesus Christ was the final sacrifice for sin. The final Old Testament sacrifice for all sin, for all time, for all humanity. That now all you have to do is receive what Christ has done for you and that it's finished. So let's just take a look at more about what God said when he set aside the Jewish people. What's the Redeemer going to look like when he comes? What did, what did God say in Scripture? Let's turn to Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, and let's just read a little bit about it. This is one of many passages about Christ in the Old Testament. Let's just read this. For us, a child is born, and to us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So God is saying to Isaiah is the Messiah is going to bring an eternal kingdom. There's going to come a kingdom that's going to replace the earthly kingdom and it's going to last forever. The prophet Jeremiah shares some more about this eschatological event that's going to take place. Let's look at Jeremiah 31:33. So this is written, um, again it's a word from God, it's to Jeremiah, and it's written at a time where the old covenant is in place. And God's telling them there's going to be a new covenant coming. So... For this is the covenant I will make with them, with the house of Israel in those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. This is an internal transformation. This is not external information. This is not works. This is something God's going to do internally to creation. In fact, in the next verse, he goes on to say, for they shall know me. And that word know is the Hebrew term yada. It means they will know me by experience. They will know me the way a husband knows a wife. It will be intimate. They will know me. The Old Testament prophet Ezekiel adds this. Let's look at Ezekiel 36, 26. It's God again speaking. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. Ezekiel is talking about a supernatural event. He's talking about a new nature. So you might recall the last time I shared with you We talked about the fact that the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, has two parts. And the first part of the gospel is the gift of God's Son, the long-awaited Messiah. And the second part of the gospel is the gift of the new covenant promise, the Holy Spirit. So what we're really talking about today is the impact on our lives of the gospel. What personally happens to us because of the good news of Jesus Christ. So we'll recall that the Old Testament was a visitation culture. And what we mean by that is the Holy Spirit visited people like Moses, David, and Gideon to do a specific task at a specific time. But that the New Testament, the New Covenant, is a habitation Culture. The divine spirit of God, the eschatological spirit of the future age comes to live inside of us. We are transformed into a new creation. He never leaves us or forsakes us after that born again experience. That all the prophetic words spoken in the Old Testament have been fulfilled in Christ. So let's just think about what that means for a minute. God himself became incarnate. Became incarnate. Yeah. And that means the Divine Father overshadowed the Virgin Mary. So Jesus was born, he was 100% divine, he was 100% human. He came and he brought the kingdom of God. He brought the rule and reign of God. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. And he proclaimed that truth, and then he demonstrated that truth with signs, wonders, miracles. Then he died on a cross for our sins. He died as that last Old Testament sacrifice. And he was raised from the dead. And after he was raised, he walked the earth for 40 days. He appeared to over 700 people. There was a crowd watching as Christ ascended into heaven. He was seated at the right hand of the Father. And on Pentecost, he poured out the Holy Spirit. And we call this entire process the glorification of Christ. So what Paul is saying here in the letter to the Corinthians is he's saying, because of the glorification of Christ, because you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, now a supernatural event has happened to you. You are a new creation. George Eldon Ladd, a renowned theological scholar, observes this he said what Paul is saying is now there are only two races of people on earth those who have been born again and those who have not I'll read that again now there are only two races of people on earth those who have been born again and those who have not Yes, there are still nations, tribes, tongues, and people of different color. But what Paul is saying to us is none of that matters. You are either part of the dead, dying, you know, decaying flesh of Adam, or you've been born again and you've received this new eschatological spirit. That that's what matters. That kingdom citizens are no longer merely human. They have a new status. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3.3. 3. Again, Paul is talking to this church, that, uh, yeah these unruly members of the Corinthian church, and here's what he says to them. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh, behaving in only a human way? In other words, you're not just human. Stop acting like that and start behaving like what you really are. Become who God has made you to be. That there's a metamorphosis that's taken place into a new status of being. It's an ontological event that has happened. And it's not based on your feelings. So don't misunderstand me. There's something I want to be really clear about here. What I'm not saying is that we become God, okay? I want to make sure we understand that. You know, we are born into this fleshly state, decaying state of Adam, and God is up here. And when when we are reborn into God's family, we receive his divine spirit, and we're elevated here. We never become God, but we know God. We live in relationship with God, so we are not God. Just want to make that clear. So let's look at what Peter has to say about this topic of us being a new, having a new nature. Let's look at 2 Peter uh, 1, 3 through 4. We'll read this together. His divine power, that's God. God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us into his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. Let's pause for a minute. God has granted us precious and very great promises. What are those? They're the Messiah and the Holy Spirit. So because you have the Messiah and the Holy Spirit, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Kingdom citizens have a new life in a new world order. So let's look at what Jesus, the Messiah, had to say about this. It's important to understand what Jesus had to say about this. We're going to look at John chapter 3. So the gospel of John was written by one of Jesus's 12 followers, one of the original 12 disciples. He was also one of Jesus's close friends of that inner circle of Peter, James, and John. John also happened to outlive all the other disciples. So at the time John is writing this, he's writing it as an elderly man, they are dead. They are gone. And John assumes in writing this that you already know what's in the other three Gospels. That you know what's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That you have accepted Christ as your Savior. You've been born again. And what John is doing as an elderly man, as a church father, is is, he's nearing the end of his life. And so he's trying to impart wisdom that you are going to need, the most important things he thinks it is for you to remember. And John records this interesting interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus. Let's read it. For now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he's old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Skipping to verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Now Nicodemus is a respected Jewish teacher. He has seen Christ at work. He has seen Jesus proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand, demonstrating that with signs, wonders, miracles, deliverances. Nicodemus knows at the very least Jesus is a prophet, but he suspects he might actually be the Messiah. So Nicodemus comes genuinely seeking truth. He wants to know. He wants to know. And he values that knowledge above all religious power and position. Nicodemus is a man to be admired. Absolutely. And Jesus tells Nicodemus plainly, you have to be born again to become a kingdom citizen. Jesus expects Nicodemus to already have understood this. This means that what Christ is saying is there's enough information here in the Old Testament that someone who's been entrusted to be a teacher of that to the Jewish people ought to know and ought to recognize Jesus is stunned Nicodemus doesn't understand. But Jesus isn't being hateful in these words. We shouldn't read anything hateful or condescending into these words because we know that there were more conversations between these two people than actually are recorded by John. How do I know that? Because in John 19.39... It's the end of Jesus' life. He has died on the cross. He is dead. Joseph of Arimathea went to the Romans. He got the body of Christ. And Nicodemus comes bringing 75 pounds of spices and helps Joseph of Arimathea prepare Christ's body for burial. I would say that's a man who had been born again, who had encountered... Truth and was coming to honor his Lord. So there's another aspect of this eschatological reality that that we cannot ignore or we're going to miss the fullness of what Christ has for us. Craig Keener is a brilliant modern scholar. And as a youth, Craig Keener was a self proclaimed atheist. Until one day he had an encounter with God, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he has used his brilliant mind to help other people unlock Scripture. I'm grateful for Craig Keener. So Keener says this. Early Judaism also employed the language of a new creation in a variety of manners. It was, first of all, an eschatological world. So what keener means is there would come a time in human history when the, the future age, the eschatological age would break in to the current age. And it would replace everything, it would recreate everything in humanity including God's image bearers. So we know at creation time was, you know, set into this present age and it's been moving along in this chronological time. So there would come an age where the future age broke in and we know with the incarnation of Christ and the glorification of Christ, that age came and they overlap that we now live in this age where we are both still here in the flesh. And yet there's this new spiritual reality that's come into being. And just as the caterpillar has to learn to live in this new environment when it becomes a butterfly, we as born-again Christians have to learn what it means to be in the flesh and yet still be part of the spirit. So Paul would describe our new state of being as things like this. He would say things such as uh, Colossians 1.13, you've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son. Or in Ephesians 2.6 he says you are already seated in the heavenlies with Christ in spite of the fact you're still here in the flesh you're also already seated in the heavenlies with Christ that you have been given an authority now from Christ and that word for authority is the Greek word exousia and it means this it signifies a ruling power a bearer of authority, the right to use power, the rights of a king that can be delegated to others. And this exousia is inextricably linked to being a kingdom citizen. There is no other way for a human being to get exousia. So, Satanists go and they do their worship of Satan and their cultic activities to try to get power. But they can never have exousia. It's why only Christians can drive out demons. If you look at Acts chapter 11, the sons of Sceva were not followers of Christ. And one day they tried to drive out a demon and they got beat up an interesting story peter adds to our understanding of our new position in christ let's look at first peter 2 9 what he has to say about what we've become you are now a chosen race you are a royal priesthood you're a holy nation you're a people for god's own possession as a new creation in Christ, we have this elevated status. We're in God's royal family. The keys to the kingdom have already been given to you. Not only that, but you, all, you serve on the altar of God. You stand there as a priest, a priestess. You actually live under an open heaven with 24-7 access to God. You have access to God for every problem that's facing you, your family, your neighbors, your workplace. That you've been entrusted with this exousia to stand there and intercede. To help bring that kingdom of God and make it a reality in the lives of the people around you. You carry the very presence of God himself and live under this open heaven. We've been entrusted. So where do we go from here? Well, I have three ideas, and I'm certain the Holy Spirit will be revealing more to each one of you for your own context. But the first one is this. If you have never accepted God's invitation To become a kingdom citizen. If you've never accepted that sacrifice of what Christ did on the cross. As the once and for all forgiveness for your sins. And you'd like to invite him into your life. I'm going to pray a prayer now. And you can just pray along with me. Heavenly Father I thank you. For your love for me. I thank you that while I was lost in sin and in darkness, that you pursued me, that you, you sought me down, and that you brought me to this day and this point in time where I could hear the truth about you. And Father, I ask that you would forgive my sins. I turn from those, and I accept what Christ has done for me on the cross, and I invite Jesus Christ to come and be the Lord of my life. And I ask you, Father, to come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And if that's the first time you've ever prayed that prayer, I would invite you to please email ross at questvineyard.org because we would love to walk alongside with you as you learn what it means to be a new creation in Christ. The second thing is I would encourage you to pray for other people. We live at a time, I mean, unprecedented in anything I can remember, where every, pretty much everyone I meet is lost and hurting, I mean, they're having some, some difficulty in their life, I would encourage you to take a chance and pray for them because you live under an open heaven. You have access to God. And I don't mean write their name down and pray later at home. I mean offer to pray right there on the spot. Take a chance and watch how God shows up. Watch what he does you know, he may move in the moment or they may come back to you later and say, you know what? After you prayed, you're never going to believe what God did. That God is inviting you on this journey to be part of what he's doing. He's entrusted you with this exousia. So take a chance and pray for people. And the third thing is this. Last week, Ross gave this great example of someone who's inherited this large trust fund. And I love that concept. Because if you've inherited a large trust fund, but you don't know that you have it, you don't know its identity, or you don't know how to access it, you don't know how to use those tools, this trust fund doesn't do you any good. And so I'm inviting each and every one of you to come with a journey on with me this fall. Because I want each and every person to understand who they are in Christ, the fullness of God's love for them, the fullness of what Jesus died to give them. I want you to walk in God's dreams for your life. I want you to live the abundant life that Christ died to give us. And so I'm inviting you to join me in a class that Quest is going to be offering this fall. It's called Kingdom Citizenship. And it's a 14-week class. It's one semester of your life. It's going to meet on Sunday night starting September 12th from 6 to 9. And in this class, we're going to study the Word of God because it affects every part of our lives, you know, our relationships, our workplaces. We're going to study the Word of God. In the second half of the class, we're going to learn how to move in the Spirit of God, in the power of God. We're going to learn how to do healing, how to prophesy, how to do deliverance. So it's grounded in word and spirit, word and spirit. We must have both or we don't have the complete gospel. If you have only the word of God, you have powerless Christianity. And it tends to drift into legalism and it tends to turn into hateful Christians and nobody likes that. If you have only the spirit of God but it's not grounded in truth, that tends to drift off into new age beliefs and other unhelpful philosophies of men. We must have both. So I'm inviting you to come with me on this journey. I hope each and every one of you will come. As we learn to walk in this exousia, we learn to walk in what's given to us. So I'm going to close with a prayer. Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you that you're our loving, heavenly Father. I thank you what you have already done for us, Father. And I I just speak a blessing over each and every person here, Father, that you would just come and move in our midst. You would move in the lives of those at home. And, Father, you just start revealing more about this truth, more about who they are in Christ, that they would know their identity, that they would know what you have entrusted to them, Father, and show them what that looks like in their context. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. So as we close, we're actually going to do something a little bit differently today. Um, The band is going to sing the blessing song over you. That's a song based out on scripture, out of the book of Numbers. But instead of standing and worshiping, I'm going to encourage you actually just to sit and receive this blessing as they pray it. And sit and receive, I mean, in a posture of receiving. So for me, that would look like, eyes closed and hands open lord come and do whatever you want to do whatever receiving looks like for you and as they sing this blessing over you the prayer team is going to get up and is going to be moving around the room praying over you they may lay a hand on your shoulder don't be startled by that but um just receive what the lord has to give you this day amen we hope you encountered the love of jesus in this message if you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.